0: Welcome to the mayhem. Dick and Lloyd mayhem. Media mayhem. Marketing a mayhem. You might love it. You might hate it. It's my favorite freaking show.
1: Hello there. Welcome back again. Boy, we've got a great guest this time. It's Bruce Cameron, author, screenwriter, originator of the Dog's Purpose series of books, wrote the book Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Daughter that turned into a TV show. He's a Kansas City native and was back in town recently on a book tour for a new book. And we had a chance to sit down and chat. Loy, a little more intro. Today we are
0: with probably the hottest writer in the in the family uh, fiction genre and films and but he's really known most famously for being at Shawnee Mission East with me
1: is that it yeah back in seven you guys shared some classes and things we did, we did yeah, okay. biology class <laughs> uh, yeah uh-huh. totally screwed him up yeah. oh my, Bruce Cameron hi Bruce hey
0: and Bruce is here he's got an another book in the uh, in the world of dogs tell us about it what what do you got going on yeah it's
2: it's my newest one it's called dog's promise and it it takes it's the third book in the dog's purpose series so it takes our bailey 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 our dog we've we've seen in two movies now and uh, now bailey is a wise old soul he's an angel dog and Hmm. he is um, he's sent on a mission he's got to go back and help a particular family in a particular place i don't want to plot spoil but I will say that this one is is pretty different in terms of you still have a dog point of view but I've changed up the genre I've I've made it there's some twists here that you won't see coming because that's what I like to do in the first book a dog's purpose Bailey kept living with other people learning things from his lives in order to find his way back and help his boy And his boy by that time was of course was an older man. Then uh, in A Dog's Journey, I changed it and Bailey finds his way back to the same person each time. Now the dog finds his way back to a, a sort of a family and some people who maybe need to be in the family and helps bring them all together in a way that's very important because there's a very important promise to be fulfilled.
0: Okay, so this this is the third. Is this the final in this? Is this a trilogy? Uh, or? I think it's a
2: trilogy. I, I I don't anticipate writing another one, but when I wrote A Dog's Purpose, I didn't think I was going to write another
0: one. <laughs> now, you you also worked on screenplays for each of these, right? Yeah, yeah. And so well, we've the been first fortunate. two big hit films, uh, you kind of built a genre there. You could drive a truck through now. I mean, this. <laughs> Uh, there's nothing else like this out there and man did it connect with the audiences. Yeah having a, having a
2: movie where the dog is a real dog and narrates uh, is a, it's a challenge to write but it's fun and it's so fun for, for the family to all get together and listen to a dog's thoughts. What the dog is thinking at any particular moment may not be exactly what we think it's thinking. Well tell us about your writing partner. Well, her name is Catherine. We get along so well as writing partners, we've gotten married. uh, (laughs) Okay, which came first, the marriage or the writing? The writing came first, and that's a great question though. Uh, In fact, I say that the writing preceded any sort of relationship, uh, and she agrees with that part, but then i te- you know then i tell the story of how we got together and i'm like so i'm running with this woman you know she's very attractive uh, and she's really smart and funny and we just sort of i just noticed one day that we were dating and she says no that's not what happened you <laughs> you romanced me you took me out to dinner and all that i'm like i don't i remember we were hungry and we ate i don't, rem- I don't remember being ordered in. <laughs> yeah, yeah so you just did it so gracefully
0: that she <laughs> She was just in awe probably. Yeah, I
2: just thought one day we're like married. I don't know. It just—it seemed like a natural evolution. But I, I think I was much more romantic when it came to the whole proposal thing. But the dating thing, I just sort of felt like that, that was organic as they now, say. Now how long ago was that? When did that blessed event happen? Well, I moved out to L.A. in 2002 in order to work on the show Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter, which was based on my very first book. And so that's about when I... I started uh, working with her she had a contract to write a novel and she had never written a novel before mm-hmm. and I had a contract to write a screenplay and she had written screenplays so I said let's let's help each other let's mentor each other and so that's it's like how the
0: peanut whole- butter and
1: chocolate thing just that's happened. right <laughs> yeah uh-huh. <laughs> that's, that's great right. uh, let's talk about the uh, the eight rules here yeah are they based on a real person
2: uh, a real daughter or? I had I had two teenage daughters at the same time, uh-huh. which is a hell I don't want any parent to go through. Mm-hmm. Please, for God's sake, space them out <laughs> so you've got one out the door before the next one hits the uh, the, yes. the, the teenage years. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, I, I just felt, uh, I felt trapped. I felt like I was in a, living in a zombie movie because, you know, my daughter's, they were so cute and they wore bunny slippers and they come downstairs the next day and it looks like they're going to go try out for pole dancing positions <laughs> and i'm like you're not going to school dressed like that and what happened to your face you can't put that on your face and then the boys just n- naturally start getting attracted to this you know it's like oh, zombies man. smell blood okay you know? it's uh-huh, like they yeah. would come you know and they, you open the door and they look like zombies and they smell like zombies you know and <laughs> I'm like, get out, go away. But mm-hmm. even as you're doing that, another one's coming down the driveway. So I I wrote this, I wrote eight simple rules for dating my teenage daughter. Rule number one, if you pull in my driveway and honk, you better be delivering a package because you're not <laughs> picking anything up.
0: That's not the doorbell, huh? Yeah, so
2: that, and, and you know, because, like, the the young man who had, uh, slouch, and mumble, and evade my eyes. Mm-hmm. They made me so suspicious. Mm-hmm. I knew they were up to mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but well, those were the ones that made a billion dollars, but... Yeah, the ones absolutely. who came in and introduced themselves and looked me in the eye and shook my hand. They made me so suspicious. And they <laughs> oh, would oh, go. Yeah. What do what they got going on? Yeah, yeah. so I was uh, suspicious. Of you were so
0: suspicious. Of and that the
2: reason there going. are eight rules and not more is I was limited to 700 words.
1: Oh, I see. Otherwise, okay. I could have kept going. Okay, yeah. Now, that uh, evolved into a television series. Tell us yes. about that, how that worked out for you.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, it was one of those dumb things. Like I, like, like, I started a career as a columnist by writing a column on the internet. Mm-hmm. I called it, it, we would call it a blog today. All right. Uh, but it went out via email. There was, was no, I didn't post it anywhere. And uh, this was back before spam so uh which i think that's your business don't you send spam because i okay so yeah uh so i started you know everybody was like really excited to get emails so it was like what do you do with this computer you got for christmas well you sign up for my column and at one point i had fifty thousand uh readers in 52 countries wow uh counting texas as its own country yeah okay and uh and that attracted the attention of the editor of the Denver Rocky Mountain News and he started running my column so now i'm writing a column i'm a columnist i didn't see that coming and then Uh, I wrote this column Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter and I got emails from all over the world and everybody went nuts for it and it was it went viral before that was a thing you know and
0: so was that just the result of a column that kind of kept going and yeah so it just spun
2: off of that yeah so I eventually wound up making a book proposal getting a book published called Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter It made it on the New York Times bestseller list and and then uh, some guy named a guy named Andrew Gunn, who was a producer for Disney, was stuck in an airport. He had bought the book for his brother-in-law. He saw it in the bookstore, and he thought this will be fun. And my brother-in-law has a daughter, and so it's. And then he was stuck in the airport, and so he sat and started reading it. And then wow. I get an email out of the blue from some guy who says he's working for Disney, saying, "Have you ever thought about making this into a movie?" And I said oh sure <laughs> yeah, what am i going to say to that and so uh i was hired to write that screenplay and uh and then they decided to make a tv show out of it by then i was a, I had a career as a screenwriter i had an agent uh, and, a, and i was writing screenplays and then i wrote a bunch of screenplays that didn't make it a mm-hmm. couple of tv shows that i got paid for but didn't get on the air and that's very typical for for Hollywood. Yeah, it's it is, very, yeah. Yeah, I know people who are very rich and they live in the Palisades and they've never gotten a show on the air. They've just been able to sell pilots.
1: It's all the pilots, yeah. yeah. I've noticed when I was out there, either you're in a car that's very nice or you're in a car that has a different fender from what it was originally uh, built into. <laughs> and there are two, different, co- two yeah. different people working out there. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, that's, that's
0: well, Bruce, it. the original book, when you got it published, did you go through the typical rejection to get it published or did you catch a cog right away?
2: I was atypical in that I wrote nine unpublished novels before I sold uh, Eight Simple Rules. So I had lots of rejection. I was rejected my whole my my whole life right around the time that I graduated with you from high school back in uh, you know it was Mm -hmm. early 90s whenever it was. Well you look like you could Mm -hmm.
0: pull that off. (laughs) Bruce is the youngest looking guy from our class I mean you you're really duking it out there with Bill Berkeley. But, okay, huh? uh, so people watching this are probably going those guys didn't go to high school again. <laughs> what do he's got to be like eight years older well, I yeah. think you've
2: had a hard life I mean, I have. You've, you've, and you've need maybe a little bit more than I have <laughs> well,
1: <yeah.
2: laughs> oh so anyway after right after high school I started writing novels and I, and I never sold one I didn't sell one for 20 years how did you keep going
0: I uh, were you did you just have this feeling that you were going to succeed,
2: or were you just kind of a uh, a no. masochist? You know, <laughs> I've just always been a storyteller, and it was uh, fun for me to write, mm-hmm. and it still is fun for me to write. I'd rather, I kind of would rather do that than almost anything, and so it just felt like a natural thing. When that book started coming back, being rejected by everybody, it just felt natural to say, well, I can do a better one and sit down and start writing again. But I, I was chasing the market. So when they wanted international thrillers, I wrote an international thriller, even though I'd never been anywhere but Canada uh, internationally. And I, I set it in Managua, Nicaragua, which in my telling looks just like Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was uh, a c- complete failure. So. I had a lot of uh, a lot of failure but I just I just didn't give up. So you
0: love the act of the process of writing. Yeah. What,
2: what's your day like? I mean,
0: you still you're you're working on this new screenplay, I assume for yeah, the company this latest. We sold book.
2: a a dog's promise to uh, Amblin, the same company that made the, the a dog's purpose and a dog's journey. And uh, so A Dog's Promise, let's keep our fingers crossed, we'll be in theaters in a year or so,
1: be, maybe maybe 2021. 20, now, as the, uh, as the writer of the movie, how much are you involved once you turn it over and sell it to them?
2: Well, uh, more than most screenwriters because we're very tightly connected to the producer, Gavin Pallone. Mm-hmm. And we went to Gavin with A Dog's Purpose and said, here, and so he took it around to sell it and he repays that uh, that favor by getting us involved very much. And We sit in the tent with him uh, in the video village and we watch the the filming and you know if we have a comment we make it to Gavin and if he mm-hmm. if he thinks it needs to be told to the director he'll go say it to the director. Okay. That's unusual. That's I mean very unusual, a lot of a yeah. lot of screenwriters they go on set they they eat their muffins and they sit there and drink coffee and then they and then they go home. Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> now I have to confess, when I'm on set, I'm mostly playing with dogs. I mostly go there's, there's always puppies and I'm just always rolling around, rolling around on the ground with the actors.
0: Well, and not because you like them, you just have to put on a
2: show that act yeah, like that's, them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's not true. I mean, I, when I say
2: I want to say I'm rolling around with actors, I want to clarify, I'm not rolling around with Dennis Quaid. Oh. Okay. I'm just rolling around with the dogs. How okay. about Randy? Randy Quaid, I mean, he hasn't shown up. I don't know.
0: Uh, uh, well, tell me, I, what's your day like on writing? I mean, what's your discipline? What do you do?
2: Uh, what Do you do it at different wow, if, times?
0: Do you get up early and if bang the it word, out? If the word discipline
2: applies to me, I don't see how. Yeah, in theory, I get up and uh, get my coffee, take the dog for a walk, and then sit down and write for about four hours. In practice, you know, I'll read email or watch puppy videos and then realize all oh, the day's halfway gone. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean it's just like I, I, I really well, That doesn't to.
0: happen too much because I mean you're,
2: cr- you're a very prolific uh, writer. Yeah it, when my daughters, my my older daughter was a, a national level volleyball player and so I am accustomed to going to volleyball tournaments and sitting in the bleachers and writing while she's practicing or playing and uh, I got to the point where I could write anywhere. In fact I I've got uh, a novel open on my laptop right now over there, and, and when you guys clear out of here I'm going to sit down and, and write this afternoon. Yeah. That's just So when you are
0: at the volleyball game were you writing with a pen and paper? Oh, laptop in my, in my lap. Is that right? Yeah.
1: Were the other parents disturbed <laughs> around you that you Some were doing father that? you uh, are. I think- <laughs> Looking I think, over your shoulders? <laughs> yeah, I think the other parents were, were just disturbed that I was there. I mean, yeah. they, they just, they just, people find me disturbing very often. What about the book, How to Remodel a Man? Tell me a bit about that one.
2: Well, while I was on tour for Eight Simple Rules, I discovered there was a whole group of people who would like to change men, and I I call those people women. And (laughs) they were so uh, enthusiastic about the idea when I told them I was thinking about writing a book that would explain how to change male behavior that i thought well i've got to write that one and uh how to remodel a man is just you know tick tips and techniques for doing something that's really actually impossible you have to <laughs> you have to trick a man into behavior like I, here's an example so some women say their husbands and i know you're going to find this really hard to believe their husbands don't manage to get their clothes into the laundry hamper oh. They get them near the laundry hamper mm-hmm. sometimes, but they don't get them in. And so they were like, well, what do you do? I said, okay, you just, you walk by one day and you say, uh, I won today. I'm up by two points. And so, well, what are you talking about? He says, well, I, ma- I made my shot. I got it into the laundry basket, but you missed. It's on the floor. Damn and then he's got like, I, I don't know. But then the next day he said, I won again. And the guy can't stand it. And so the next <laughs> day he'll come in and say, hey, I, all the way from across the room. Right? <laughs> Pretty soon, there he's he's actually changing clothes more often so that he can take a shot. He says, I'm up by
1: 18 points. Okay.
0: I think you probably changed some lives out there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the only other thing you could do is add a backboard to the the laundry bin. That's you a know? great idea. Yeah.
0: <laughs> now, wow. Now, when, that, that book came out after the Eight Simple Rules?
1: Yeah, yeah. That was another great
2: bestseller for me. It got me on Oprah, which is a thrill for any author. Uh, I was on a lot of the news shows. Of course that got you on Oprah. You were yeah giving up all the trade secrets. <laughs> that's right.
0: You went to the queen of the other side. I did. I, I
2: Well, listen, you know, uh, I betrayed my, my team, but that's okay because, like I said, it doesn't actually work. You, you can't actually change a man's behavior not how that, not what's not is not the way women want. do yeah.
1: that. No. Once the scorekeeping is over, the clothes go back on the floor. <laughs> You're right. Once, the, yeah, sure. You can't keep yes. playing forever. Yeah. What uh, What's rattling around in your brain for the future? Any thoughts, uh, ideas, areas, anything? You know, I'm I'm going to write a sequel to A Dog's Way Home, which mm-hmm. was also a movie. Uh, I'm
2: going to I'm going to start that next. I've got a Christmas novella that I'm finishing up that'll be out next Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's brilliantly titled The Untitled Christmas Novella. So I'm probably going to come up with something else mm-hmm. before it comes out. Uh, I write these, these younger reader books. I write two of those a year now. They're really fun for me. And they, the, my latest one, Lily's Story, just came out. Lily's Story is the story of a, of a dog, a, a puppy who gets rescued and then winds up living at an animal rescue and gets involved with rescuing other animals and to the point where I'm going to start a, no, a new series based just on Lily called Lily to the Rescue and the first two books are being published simultaneously in March of 2020 and uh, Lily then will go on uh, hopefully uh, but I know I've got I've contracted for 8 books mm-hmm. so I These
1: so
0: larger good. format books or These are uh, hard-bound? these are
2: these are between They are hardcover, they are between the, uh, what we would call a picture book, where there's a picture on every page with a little bit of text, and then you've got like the chapter books, which are like um, uh, Charlotte's Web would be a chapter book, Uh, uh, sorry, a younger reader book. In between, they've got this category called chapter books, and chapter books is uh, fewer illustrations, but a lot of illustrations, and they do have chapters, rather than just being one story.
0: And those are for 8 to 10? Yeah,
2: or? they're for, right. It, it kind of depends on when, you know, younger readers. Some of them are really precocious and are reading uh, when they're 5 and 6. But yeah, I'm, I would say anywhere first grade to 3rd or 4th grade. Would what be. were
0: you reading at 6?
2: I was one of those Dolcevsky. kids. Dolcevsky. Not, not him, but my, my father. I was actually Herman Woke because my father got tired of me coming home from the scholastic book fair with every book. Like I would just circle them all, because they, they said, any book he wants, so, okay. okay. So he said, all right, well, we're not doing that anymore. He walked me into the living room, he showed me a bookshelf, and he said, okay, those are your, that's the books you're reading <laughs> okay. right there. And so I started, and I had a lot of questions for him. Like when I read Marjorie Mor- Morningstar, there's, you know, there's sex in that. And I'm like, okay, what does this word mean? And he goes, yeah, go ask your mother. <laughs> so, but that was so that I was reading adult books when I was a little kid.
0: Well, there you go. And now you're writing, uh, you're a grown man, and you're writing a little, little kids' books. I'm writing
2: little kids' books, yes. There's got, that, that's either irony or justice. I don't know. There's a word for this. Who does your illustrations for those books? Uh, we've got some really talented illustrators working on the, the Lily to the Adventure. Uh, books, and we've got an illustrator for the Younger Reader books, and a better
1: prepared author would tell you their names, but I do know. Now with all of your uh, uh, books about uh, uh, dogs and, and and what they're thinking and things, are you approached constantly by the rescue people around the country? The uh, uh, Yeah, uh,
2: and that's great. Mm-hmm. I, I uh, contribute books all the time for like silent auctions. I'll sign books and send them out, and I've got a, an alliance with best uh, friends animal society right now which is an umbrella group that supports local charities. I'm in Kansas City and I've done events that have supported Wayside Waifs here mm-hmm. in Kansas City yeah. mm-hmm. in Denver I just did an event for Life is Better Rescue. So I I am approached and I'm approachable. I love helping animal rescue. It's a real it's really important and I'm so Uh, honored to know people who have dedicated their whole lives to uh, helping animals who, through no fault of their own, they find themselves unable to survive without direct intervention of human beings.
1: And you live in Los Angeles? I do live in okay. Marina Del Rey, California now. Okay, yeah. are you on the uh, Tour of the Stars uh, bus line yet? Uh, <laughs> anybody stopping by? That's, uh, that's Bruce's no, place. No, hey, when huh? they
2: see me crossing the street, they accelerate that bus. <laughs> <laughs> they,
0: <laughs> well, you and Catherine do such a great job with these appearances. I've seen a couple of them. One of them was at a movie premiere that you had out, at, out in Overland Park. Yeah. And then uh, you had one at the... Dog bar the barque uh, for one of the books, and you bring the, the stars along with you, or the subjects, the dogs. Yeah, and they're yeah. so cute. And uh, a lot of people I see, whole families come out. Everybody's bringing their kids. It's really, I mean, I can't imagine anything else like that. You just kind of own that space, that whole genre. And and you've been thinking like a dog now for a long time. You're yeah. doing the kids' books in this series. Uh, have you found that changes the way you think? I mean, you spend a little too much time looking at fire hydrants, <laughs> things like that.
2: Yeah, I can you know, I'm very often finding it as a tennis ball in my mouth. I, I don't know how to get there. Uh, I, I have reminded myself over and over again to stop humping the neighbor's leg. <laughs> <you know? laughs> but I, 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 looking at the world through the eyes of a dog is looking at the world of the, looking at the world through the eyes of the most optimistic, joyful, happy creatures and uh yeah it has changed me oh my gosh
0: it's therapy
2: yeah it is well and there's a life lesson here because you know dogs are here for such a short period of time and yet they make the most of every waking moment and if when we think about it we're here for a very short period of time and we should make the most of every moment, right? I mean, mm-hmm. what are we? Why would we squander? Why would we say I'm going to kill some time? What do you kill time? You should. Em- <laughs> you need to embrace that time. You're not getting it back. It's like saying, I'm going to kill some of my money. Great. Yeah. So, okay.
0: so this tour, you're in Kansas City for yeah. a couple of days. You doing some TV. Yes. And then you've got a mad crazy schedule. Uh, what do you got going on? It, it,
2: it kind of seems like I don't have any chance for sleep. I'll be at, in Naperville doing a book thing tomorrow and then I'm going to Atlanta and I'm going to, after that, Baltimore. And uh, then I just, just found out I'm going to Austin, Texas. I didn't know that. Wow. Uh, Phoenix, Traverse City, Michigan, Pittsburgh, so I got a lot of places. Now, do you
1: have someone that, uh, an assistant that goes with you on these, that shows you where the TV station is or the bookstore, or are you just out wandering with your uh, your GPS? Yeah, uh, I would love to have an assistant
2: uh, come with me on these things, or I've and I've tried to talk uh, Catherine, my wife, into coming, and uh, nope, I'm out here on my own. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I do have, but I've got uh, you know I've got a publicist and I've got people taking care of me on the road because I. Uh, I, apparently, I'm not capable of getting anywhere. Even in, even in a town where I grew up, they don't want me driving. They said, "No, no, we'll send somebody. You'll
1: get lost. Okay. And I probably
2: would. I probably would."
1: Talk to me a bit about uh, Loy in high school. What do you remember? Anything? Yeah. Well, he had hair. Yeah.
2: Lloyd mm-hmm. uh, in high school. Uh, so my favorite story to tell about Lloyd is just going to hate this. Will get cut. Uh, he decided. That we had a substitute teacher in biology and he decided that that we I could see that for Loy, he was so getting into the part that he started to feel sorry for himself. (laughs) (laughs) And he could just tell the look on his face is
1: like
2: (laughs) (laughs) And then he wanted me to keep doing it. And I'm like, this is not working. You know, I'm <laughs> faking my way through it. And he, but he just would not give it up. I was,
0: was like, like Mo Howard. I didn't want the act to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: That's phenomenal.
0: Oh man. Loy, how about any stories
1: you might have about Bruce? Anything you remember out of the ordinary? I, at, uh... he,
0: he was a well-behaved, normal. Uh, I was fun, under the radar young man. He mm-hmm. was
2: indeed. You know, he he did nothing outrageous. I was president of the Ecology Club, which uh, contrary to my expectations did not lead to a higher incidence of sexual intercourse.
1: Really?
0: Okay. No, yeah. I, not, I remember it was Eco Now,
1: wasn't that you're no, saying? But, oh, no, 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 no. Somebody remember. else. You sure would have thought going that direction would have created some he was, sort of application. He was, application. On, yeah. he was yes. on
0: the literary uh, magazine staff that's called Giannis. Yes. Okay. You know, that, we were very pretentious. And there,
1: was there a lot of yawning going on? Was it, was, we, that yeah. it was.
2: It was just one
1: letter away from anus. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Coomerline so. was on that wedding. <laughs> he might have been. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's marvelous. It's good to get you guys back together again.
0: Yeah, I, you know, it's great that Bruce has become a, a huge celebrity and out in L.A. Now I've got a place where maybe you I get another couch
1: out in L.A. Couch <laughs> when I go back there. To I home.
0: don't
2: remember issuing that invitation. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that there's something that is very interesting about writing a series of books based on, uh, it starts with a dog's purpose and that has uh, a premise that is easy to follow. A dog has several different lives, lives with several different people and learns these skills that helps him get back to his boy and then with a the dog's journey, uh, the dog is getting back to a person. In a. Dog's Promise, the third one, I've turned that convention completely on its ear, and now the dog has a much more complex mission, which is to try to reunite a family that is torn apart, and it's torn apart basically because there is a boy born uh, a paraplegic, and the impact that has on that family sends uh, ripples throughout their, their life, and as the dog is reborn and comes back, the dog's... Promise and purpose is to reunite the family because there's a there's something very important that has to happen and it can't happen with them estranged from each other, so I've once again uh, I've done something I really like to do which is to take a convention that's already established and then twist it up so mm-hmm. that nobody yeah. says oh this is the same book, you know sure yeah. so
0: that's available now it's uh, dog's promise dog's yes. promise, and then look for it to become a film
2: yeah. 2021, we let's keep fingers crossed. I mean, it's Hollywood is the strangest business. I always say that um, it's a series of no's to get to a yes. I mean, they just keep you, you keep hearing that it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And then all of a sudden you get a phone call. It's going to happen. And with A Dog's Purpose, that thing gathered dust for seven years. We wrote the first screenplay my Catherine and I did. It went through several drafts with several different writers. It got worse and worse until One Pass was just, I've read all of them, and One Pass was just unrecognizable as, as even a story. It was just so bad. Hmm. And, then, uh, and then something kind of miraculous happened. They hired another set of writers, and they said, try to make it more like the book. And they did, they, they, they just threw out all the junk that had nothing to do with the book, and the next thing you know, we're back in business. And I get a phone call saying, hey, you're not gonna believe this, but DreamWorks has greenlit this movie.
0: Wow So it's got to be difficult when you get that close to a project and it goes through all those rewrites to be able to go, this sucks. yeah, because you you're so uh, familiar with the storyline and you, you just kind of lose track, you get right.
2: Well, uh, but I will say so as an author, you know an author really has full control over the, the content even when I pass it to an editor. The editor is going to have ideas and thoughts and objections and I will handle those by deciding whether or not they're reasonable and a lot of times they are. Mm -hmm. But then when you go into the motion picture business, you just have to recognize that it's out of your control, that uh, the director, the director of photography, the assistant director, the producer, the studio, they're all gonna have their fingers in this pie uh, and then it's a collaborative art, which means, it, uh, you know, I envisioned Ethan a certain way, and then KJ shows up to play young Ethan, and he said he's not what I pictured. He, he did a great job, but he wasn't what I had in mind. So you realize, oh, there's, there's no sticking to Bruce Cameron's vision in, in this. What there is is that you start a process and then you hand it off to all the creative people. You know the costumers, the the set decorators. They're all going to have input into the final product, and you just got to sort of shrug your shoulders and say, "Well, that's uh, that's the business."
1: Do you have any input on the dogs that are playing in the in the movies? Not really. I mean, I do. Uh, I I insisted
2: that Max in the in the uh, movie A Dog's Journey be played by a Yorkie of some kind, because it's so important for that to be a little dog in a big city. That's mm-hmm. kind of the yeah. joke of Max. And, uh, and so. But there is also an extent to which it's kind of not my, my choice. Though I will say for A Dog's Way Home, we were looking for a dog that looked similar to the dog on the cover of the book, A Dog's Way Home. And the reason for that is that it's about a pit bull man. And in Denver, the pit bull ban is enforced by three uh, animal control officers saying, that dog is a pit bull. And in theory, they could say it about a dachshund. I mean, there's no, there's no code that says, "And eh, we're going to do a DNA test or anything, no. They just, if they say it's a, a pit bull, it's a pit bull. And uh, because in the book, A Dog's Way Home, the characters, they run afoul of a a real estate developer who's got a buddy who's an animal control officer. And the next thing you know, this dog, uh, Bella, who on the cover of the book is part pit bull, I verified that, but doesn't really look like a pit bull. Uh, She gets banned and she is sent away to, while her owners try to find a new apartment where there are, that's outside of Denver city limits. And the dog, of course, doesn't realize uh, what's going on and jumps a fence and and makes her way back home across hundreds of miles of Rocky Mountains. That's the story. To, we decided that dog has to be a rescue. And uh, the producer was in agreement, so we did a nationwide search uh, by, and the internet is so helpful because we were able to look at the picture of the dog on the cover Mm -hmm. and then look for dogs in shelters. We found a dog in, Uh, outside of Tennessee so Catherine and I flew down with a dog trainer to meet this dog to see if this dog Shelby was going to work out and Shelby did work out within 15 minutes the animal trainer turned to us and said this dog is motivated this dog wants love this dog is perfect Shelby was living in a junkyard we have no idea if she ever had human contact Mm -hmm. before we found her and saved her, So, uh, and, and when I say we, it, it takes a village. It was a whole uh, operation with uh, Nashville, Tennessee, I don't remember the county now. The county people found the dog, brought her to the shelter, cleaned her up, gave her medication, and posted her picture, and we saw it and said that's, that's the one. Wow,
0: that's an unbelievable
2: story. Yeah, so we had, we had complete control over that dog to the long answer to your question. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a, I wrote about Shelby in a, in a younger reader book called Shelby's Story, because it's just so, so amazing to go from junkyard dog to movie star. And I've seen Shelby in like a Walmart commercial or something, you know, I see her running around all the time uh, now, and she was here in Kansas City with me when I ran into the last time I had Shelby with me. So uh, I see her all the time on the road. You know, you talk about a story that warms the heart. Here's this dog that, You know, was living under terrible conditions, and now has the luxury of you know people taking care of her, and and she, by the way, like all dogs, just rolls with it. Like that's what
0: I was going to ask you: Is Shelby any happier, or was Shelby? I mean, you know this now because you're you're the voice of dog. Yeah. So
2: dogs don't know they're living um, in miserable conditions.
0: Yeah, you always Mm -hmm. feel sorry for those dogs with the homeless guys. Yeah, and then you think wait a minute, maybe that dog loves yeah. camels, pork gets, and beans. And right,
2: <laughs> gets to hang out with uh, it, Dad all its the person time. all the time. Yeah. Cool.
0: Okay, what about the younger reader books? Anything new? Uh, is the, the Lily book, is that a new one? Or what? Yeah, Lily you know? is
2: brand new uh, okay. as of October 7th. Yeah, no, uh, this is, so this was such a, such a turning point for me and I didn't even know at the time that, that my career was changing. I had this idea, this, this marketing idea, uh, to stay with the theme of the show, I had this idea. idea that if I could take the story of Ellie, the police dog from A Dog's Purpose, and write just that story as a younger reader book, mm-hmm. that that would give me something to walk into the studios with and say this needs to be a TV show. Mm. Uh, that idea never got traction, but that book ellie's story went on to win the colorado younger readers association award and uh, a bunch of awards i mean i've never won awards before and all of a sudden i'm winning awards for this book and and it sold very well so naturally the publisher wanted another one so i wrote Bailey's story which is the story of bailey 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 from a dog's purpose but with no reincarnation and and a lot of the drama sucked out of it so that it's it's not as intense for younger readers much more happy and joyous and that just led to another and another and so now I've got what eight uh, younger reader books out and what has changed for me is that uh, you know I go to schools and I talk and I would go to schools all the time uh, because I love kids but all of a sudden I've got kids clutching my books when I walk in and I've got teachers telling me I've got kids who will not read books but they will read your younger reader books because it, they've got a way in, there's a dog. They don't have any, any concepts or interfering with that. They don't have to try to identify with a, a girl, you know, or if they're a boy, or try to identify with a, a boy going camping if it's a girl who likes to dress in, up and put on her mother's makeup or whatever. And then there's just, that this, uh, this is an entirely different character. It doesn't matter who you are in the world. It doesn't matter what you look like or who your friends are. This is just told from the point of view of a dog, and so and so kids are really loving them. You're so, having such a tremendous impact on all these kids. That's heady stuff. It's it, it That's why I say it has changed my life. I thought I was my purpose was to entertain people with my my work, but now I'm actually helping to uh, guide children toward a love of books. And I can't think of anything I've done in my life that has been as important. Important as that.
0: Wow, that is really cool. You didn't see that coming at all. I, it
2: just caught me off guard.
0: Wow, fantastic. Now you're you're going to uh, Rainy Day Books, is that right? I'm going to be at
2: Rainy Day Books. Is, is that Ra- what all
0: this tour is mainly? Is independent bookstores? Or? Yeah,
2: I'm very much in favor of independent <clears throat> bookstores. I don't have anything against uh, the chains. In fact, I'm you know I'm uh, got a special edition of A Dog's Promise at Barnes and Noble on release date, and I've you know, I certainly have sold a lot of books through Amazon, so I don't, I don't play favorites so much, but I do love the idea of independent bookstores where you can go in and they, they know your name and they say, oh, remember that book I gave you last week? I've got one that you're going to like. You're really mm-hmm. going to like this one. I love that kind of concierge service that you get from an independent bookstore and rainy day books. In Fairway, Kansas, of all places, is one of the best bookstores in the world. Everybody knows it. Anywhere you go, if you go to a independent booksellers convention, and you mention Rainy Day, everybody nods because they know these these people know what they're doing. And they certainly
0: stuck to their guns. Yeah, and they really build a concept there. And they
2: really and they're doing well. I mean, I, they like you know like every brick and mortar store. The arrival of on line purchasing really set them back for a while. And we all thought bookstores weren't gonna make it. We all thought, yeah, that's the mm-hmm. end. And the only ones that are gonna make it are gonna be Borders and Barnes & Noble because they're huge. But uh, as we know what happened to Borders, uh, it, it really now is last man standing with Barnes & Noble for the big chains. Mm-hmm. But the little independent stores have made their way back be- just because of that. Yep. You take your kid in, and let her run around, and and uh, she grabs a couple of books, and the person selling the books says those are good choices, and here's another one just like it, and pretty soon the independent bookstore has become like a like an entertainment destination for your family. Anything I can do to support that, I'm going to.
0: Well, you've done a lot. Great stuff. Thanks a lot, Bruce Cameron. Very good. Thanks for joining us with our our little uh, our little you know
2: whatever this is.
1: Whatever they call it. Whatever this is. Dick and Lloyd and me. And and
2: Mark. What is it? What?
0: Anyway. All right. Thanks for squeezing us in with all these TV
2: appearances Uh, and everything. My pleasure. Yeah, good luck with this. All right, thanks, Bruce. Uh, This is going to be huge. This is going to be huge. huge. Yeah,
0: huge. Yeah, we'll be affecting children for years
1: (laughs) thanks Bruce great to talk with you great to have you back in town and back with your buddy Loy good luck with your future projects you can see the video version of this interview and some other fun stuff on the Dick and Loy YouTube channel and until next time
0: you might love it you might hate it it's my favorite freaking show